I invite you to open your Bibles this morning, although I'm going to just tell you up front that um, I, my message is a bit different than I sometimes do. I often preach through a text. That's what I love to do the most. Uh, but uh, I, I want to... Put together a message for these uh, four young people that are getting baptized, and I told them I'm going to be speaking to them today. And if you've been here for baptisms, you know that I often do that. I have some specific things I want to share with the four of you. I happen to think, because I think this is how God works and how God's Word works, is that when I speak specifically to them, and there are things I think that apply to them, uh, they also happen to be the things that you need to hear as you're sitting in the audience. Uh, so uh, even though uh, I maybe am directing my comments towards them this morning, you, of course, know that uh, uh, that's not a license for you to not pay attention, for the Word of God is rich and powerful, and it uh, is necessary and effective in our own lives. And I have no doubt if you will be willing to uh, consent to this or you'll be willing to yield to this, I have no doubt that His Word wants to make a difference in your own life today as well as my own. Now, I started saying this, but I don't, uh, I don't uh, necessarily have a text I'm going to preach through. In fact, I'm going to be kind of jumping all over from the book of Proverbs because I want to speak on the subject of our hearts today, of your hearts today. Uh, so it may be just as easy. I don't know if this works for you. Maybe just as easy for you to listen. I don't always like to do that because I like to have you read out of your Bibles. But I'm afraid if I uh, am sharing them and you're flipping through, you're going to spend more time flipping and less time listening. Um, also, if it's helpful to you, I don't have a handout today, but if it's helpful to you, I encourage you to get a piece of paper out and jot down notes if that's what helps you to remember what God wants to say today. We're going to start with Proverbs 4.23 because it's really the, sort of the foundation or basis for our message. Proverbs 4.23 says this, and I say this to the four of you this morning. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Pay attention to what's happening in your heart. For from it, it says, flow the springs of life. The heart, the heart, now we, we talk about our hearts, and our hearts, of course, are, they're an organ inside of us. They beat and they pound and they push blood through our bodies. But when the Bible talks about our heart, it's not really just talking about, in fact, it's not really talking about at all about this physical thing that's in here and, and pounding and keeping us alive. The reason there's a correlation, however, is because it is where the strength of our life comes from. The heart is known as the, the center of us, of our beings. It is the thing that directs where we go and what we do. It's the, sort of the controlling agent inside of us. I would tell you, I would connect this back to, uh, to uh, the book of Genesis. I would tell you that the heart is the piece that God placed inside of you and he placed his image there. It's the part that when you were conceived that will now live in eternity. Several times over the last couple of weeks, Merlin, you sh uh, shared this quote from Ravi Zacharias about uh, that we don't, should not see ourselves as a body that has a soul, but a soul that has a body. And I'm going to use those, uh, those terms sort of interchangeably here because I believe that's what it's talking about here, is that peace that lives eternally. God gave you a body. He formed a physical body around his image that he placed, which we're going to call our heart today. Someday when your body will grow older, Lord willing, and become creaky and perhaps be broken or perhaps fail to work, and eventually someday will die when this physical heart stops beating, the heart we're talking about today will keep on living, will keep on existing. Someday, and for some of you who've already covered this in a lesson that we did in discipleship, someday God will put a new body around that, a new physical form around that. 
Keep your heart with all vigilance. Jesus said this. He said, out of our heart comes the overflow of that comes what the mouth says. If I just quote it, it says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's another proverb, by the way, in 27.19 that says this. As in water, the face reflects the face, so the heart of man reflects the man. This is why we're going to talk about it today. Just like you can walk up to a pool of water that's undisturbed, and you can look into it, and what do you see looking back? What do you see looking back? If you look into water, what do you see looking back? Kale. You're going to see your own reflection. You're going to see your face. It's called a reflection because you see what this looks like. You, by the way, you can't see what your face looks like without a reflection. Did you know that? You have no idea what your face looks like without a reflection. But when you look in the water, you see your reflection. This proverb lets us know, there's wisdom here. This proverb lets us know that as our hearts are inside, that's who we are. In other words, if I write that backwards, if you want to know what our hearts are like, you look at what the rest of us, what the body, you look at what I'm doing is like. You can't separate, we try to all the time, by the way, but you can't separate and say, well, I'm doing these things which are maybe not good, maybe sinful, maybe not, not right, but my heart is really right. According to this verse, that's not going to be true. For what comes out of us has to start somewhere, right? A question I know all of you have already answered is, when we sin, who's, the, who's responsible for that? Right? Who's responsible? I am. I can't say that someone out there. Now, Satan tempts us like, oh, get out. He wants to do everything he can to lead us astray. And our friends sometimes don't take us in the right places. And we have all kinds of environmental things that are happening around us. But in the end, when we stand before Almighty God, we'll only have one answer, and that will be, it was my responsibility for what I did. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. Yeah, if I read that right. So the heart of man reflects the man. Our hearts are very important. What's happening in our heart. The, the gist of my message today, if I can say this to the four of you, the gist of my message today is that it is your heart that you must be careful for above all things. It is the heart that must be led in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. For from what happens with your heart is what's going to happen with your life eventually. You may not see it right away. And... If I'm talking to these four, let me just step aside here for a little bit because I'm talking to an audience of people, many of whom have already followed the Lord Jesus Christ and walked with him and will unfortunately have to agree with this statement. There are times when we do everything we can to cover up what's happening inside so that no one knows what's going on. In fact, many of us live a whole lifestyle like that, unfortunately. Where what's going on in here, we do everything we can to not let it come out. I would give you the same encouragement today, by the way. It's your heart that matters. Uh, once again, I can just say this, uh, just be upfront about this. When you stand before the throne of God someday, which you will do, you will answer for your heart, not for what you have done out here. Again, they're going to be connected, but you will answer for your heart. Actually, that's four we're going to let, head to, so let me just jump in. Let me share three things. I'm going to divide it into three things. Everything I'm going to say this morning is going to be a proverb. I'm going to be sharing just verses from the Proverbs that have to do with our hearts, the things about our hearts. And I want to start off by saying it's the heart that matters. Let me share a few verses that talk about hearts that God does not like. In fact, it uses the word abomination, and I think we should be very careful to pay attention to that word because it, it's the strongest word of hatred that we see in the Word of God. 
Those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. I don't think, I'm just going to say this to the four of you because that's who I'm talking about. I'm going to talk to the rest of you as well. I don't think you want to be uh, in the place where you're an abomination to God, do you? We don't want to be an abomination to the Lord. None of us want to arrive at the end or anywhere in between and say that we are something that God hates. And in this proverb, this verse, we see that God just declares to us in his wisdom, he says, that if we are of a crooked heart in here, that's an abomination to the Lord. That's why God particularly does not like blasphemy. Because it's saying one thing on one side, but our hearts are somewhere else. Why he doesn't like when we're two-faced. Why he doesn't like, it's why adultery is is very serious, by the way, because it's making a commitment on one side, but it's doing something else somewhere else. He refers, by the way, to the nation of Israel many times as being adulterous. For they have committed themselves to the Lord, but they are doing something else entirely with their hearts. A crooked heart is abomination, but a blameless way, those who walk blamelessly, are his delight. A second verse along that is Proverbs 16, 5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart, we're going to bump up against this word in its counterpart, the opposite side of that, several times this morning. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, be assured, you can know, take it to the bank, whatever phrase you want to use, be assured that he will not go unpunished. There's an interesting phrase there, right? Because we sometimes want to get away with this idea that that we think if I'm not caught doing something wrong, then I'm going to get away with it. Then I will go unpunished. If no one saw the action, then it's okay. But in this verse, it makes it clear that it's the arrogance of a heart, of the inside, that God hates. Rest assured, it will not go unpunished. And arrogance, now that's a word that we don't like to deal with very often, I'm going to say. Mostly because it's often very easy to spot arrogance in other people's lives. It's a lot more difficult to be honest about how it takes place in our own hearts. The arrogance that we carry. Well, let's keep going because we might say to ourselves, and we might be right with people, that I can often hide things for a long time. But Proverbs 24, 12 says, if you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who perceives, I'm sorry, who weighs the heart perceive it? If we say, I didn't know that, does not the one who knows our hearts, is he not going to be able to perceive? There's a second part of that verse, by the way. Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it, and will he not repay man according to his work? In other words, you guys know this. We all know this, but these are reminders for us. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Mess that up. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Get the word right. For out of it come the springs of life. It's not so much. It is about what happens outside. I'm not going to shy away from that. For we want you to do good things. We want good things to come out of your life. But we want to stress this morning that that is led from in here. Don't make the outside look good when the inside is not there. Today you're making a commitment of your heart. And this proverb is pointing out, this saying is pointing out, that we can maybe sometimes say, I didn't know, to someone, another human, and they, of course, don't know whether you knew it or not, right? My children try this sometimes, by the way. I have one of my children standing, sitting right up here. Our children try that sometimes, don't they? When they're going to be getting in trouble, and they say, well, I didn't know. And to be honest, as a parent, I don't know if I should admit this up front, because I have children to do this, but to be honest, as a parent, we don't always know whether you knew or not, do we? 
That's why this verse is so important, because it makes it clear to us that there is someone who does know, and in the end, you will have to reckon for it. By the way, there's also comfort in that verse, for if you truly do not know, listen to how this, let me just flip back a screen, listen to how this, if you say, behold, I did not know this, does not the one who weighs the heart perceive it? In other words, if you truly don't know it, there's comfort in this verse because God knows your heart and he knows that you're telling the truth. And I believe God is a gracious and compassionate God. He loves you. He cares for you. At the same time, we recognize that if we say that in error, if we are lying, then we know that we cannot evade this. In the end, this is a pretty common, well-known proverb. In the end... There is a way, or every way of a man, sorry if I get it said right, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the heart. It's the heart that matters. I can tell you, if I can have your attention, Kale and Silas and Melissa and Susie, I can tell you there will be lots and lots of times in your life where you will be convinced that what you're doing is correct and you will look back at some point later and realize that you were wrong about that. I'm going to guess it's probably already happened in your life, but it will happen some more. I say this in honor or to recognize the truth of this verse. There are ways that seem right in our own eyes, but the Lord is going to weigh our heart and he's going to know, which is why the next two parts of my sermon are so important. It's what we want our heart to look like. It's the heart that matters in the end, and we want to see a heart that is yielded to him. We want to see a heart that is yielded to him. Now, this may sound a lot like the verse I just shared, but it is a little different because it has to do with surrendering to the Lord. It says that the heart of man plans away. Our hearts decide what we want to do. By the way, our hearts can't be trusted. I don't know if you know that or not. Our human hearts, the, the desires of, of, our, of our human hearts, they can't be trusted. So our hearts will plan the way, but the Lord is the one who will establish the steps. In fact, let me just go to the next one because the next one makes it very clear. That the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. None of you sitting here today and the whole audience are kings or queens. They are the most powerful people we may know of, or presidents, or whatever title you want to associate. And God makes it clear in his word that he holds even their hearts in his hand and can turn them wherever he wants to. If we are not even at that level, according to our minds, at that level of control of things, then you know that we are certainly under the Lord's hand of control. I would tell you this not as a threat. I would tell you this as a comfort, as an encouragement that you should and can, in fact, and should, in fact, yield your heart to him so that he may turn it at his will. It is where you want to be. For Proverbs 18, 12 says, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. There are those times, I don't like speaking in these kind of phrases because this is a happy day, it's a day of celebration, but it's a day that I cannot shy away from also speaking truthfully. There are those times when we will persist in our own ways and the Lord has to break us. This verse talks about that. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. It's the second time we see this phrase that has to do with arrogance. Again, I apologize. I'm talking up here all the time and I'm, I, I don't want to do so at the exclusion of all of you. For you're not exempt from these verses.
If you want to have honor, the Lord makes it clear that humility comes first. Look at Jesus, by the way. Jesus, as we know from the New Testament scripture, is the King of kings and Lord of lords, right? Jesus, we know, is said of him that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, right? But what, what, before, what happened before he came to that position? Was it a position of honor for him? Isaiah says that he was despised and rejected. There was nothing in his appearance that drew people to him. That he was marred and disfigured. John, when he started his gospel, said that the light came into the darkness, but the darkness rejected it. Several times when they tried to make Jesus king by force, he slips away. In the end, they accuse him unfoundedly, and they whip him and beat him and mock him and hang him on a cross and kill him. And while they're doing that, they yell at him and they say, oh, come on, if you're the son of God, just come down from there, then we'll believe you. That doesn't sound like honor, does it? Humility comes before honor. The book of Hebrews, again, says that the path that Jesus walked is the path that we, you and I should walk, which means humility comes before honor. Your honor, if it's going to come, the true honor, the real honor, is going to come a long time down the road. That day when you stand before the throne and he says, I declare you innocent. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come into what I have prepared for you. Well, we'll have to talk most, more about this, but let's, let's just keep on going with these verses because I want to keep on trucking with the, these, these, uh, what, what we have to say about a heart that's yielded to him. This Proverb 28, 14 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Calamity is disaster. It's not what you want in your life. These verses I'm sharing with you are giving you recipes. They're giving you guidelines. They're giving you, uh, they're giving you the path to walk on. The one who fears the Lord always, the one who recognizes that what he has to say and what he wants me to do is far more important than what anybody else has to say or what anybody else wants me to do, that one who walks in that, that will be blessed. But the one who will harden his heart to what God is trying to do in his life will face disaster or calamity. The next one, again, you may not like to hear ones like these. The wise of heart will receive commandments. Nobody likes to have people tell us what to do right? And as young people, a couple of you are a little young for this yet, a couple of you are right in the middle of this, that we really don't like when people tell us what to do. It's no different, by the way. You could turn around and look at the people behind you and those that may be a lot older than you. Most of us still don't like people to tell us what to do. And yet, this proverb says that the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Again, we have that same ending part. I would tell you, I would be remiss to tell you that first and foremost chief of importance is these commandments that come from here. Blessed is the one who lives in the fear of the Lord always, but the one who hardens his heart will come into calamity. So the wise of heart will receive these commandments. But I can also tell you and assure you, because of the arrogance of our own hearts, that we also need other people around us to help us live according to this. This is the truth. My interpretation of this is not always correct. You being young means that you have people called parents 
who help you live according to this. But even as you get older, and you may not live under the thumb of your parents as much, you will have a church that helps you live according to this. You should have a church that you're part of that helps you live according to this. You still will not be in this place. I don't think you'll ever be in this place, by the way, until you get into the glory, but even then you'll do it delightedly, where, you're, where you are not under someone else's ability to give commands to you and say, this is what this has to say. Let's make sure we do not harden our hearts. Let me keep on going because this verse hits us square in the face because we've done it so often. I remember Wednesday night, several months ago, we talked about this verse. And it, back then, it, 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 it struck me full in the face. Look at what this says. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin. Now, we just talked about what brings our way to ruin, right? What makes that we come to ruin? What makes we face calamity? Either not fearing the Lord or not heeding his commandments, Right? But when a man's way brings his way, to, I'm sorry, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, then what happens? What does he do? What does his heart do? It rages against the Lord. Now, why does that, why does, why does it go like that? Did you ever think about that? Why is it when we make a mistake that we want to get mad at someone else? Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever had that happen? looking out to the audience. When you make a mistake and you get mad at someone else. This is the heart, the, the foolish heart, the flesh heart of man. That when we come of our own choice, remember whose fault is it when we sin? It's ours. Which means when our own folly brings us to ruin, our heart rages against the Lord. I can tell you, now I can make this statement about out there, and I will make it, but I want to make sure it comes back in here too. I can tell you there are hundreds of thousands of people who live angry at God, and it's their own folly that has brought their way to ruin. But let's not be so busy to point the fingers out there that we don't recognize the same tendencies for us in here. This one you really won't like. So far I'm sharing ones you don't like. I'm sorry about this. But particularly important for young people, because it says that folly, it's this folly that brings our way to ruin. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. I'm going to make a wild guess that most of you four down here, and most of us anywhere, but most of you four, don't really like being disciplined by your parents. I'm just going to make a sort of a stab in the dark and assume I'm probably being truthful to say that you don't really like being punished, you don't like being disciplined, you don't like when you have to be corrected. Am I right? Again, I could say that because I'm, I'm like you. I don't like that either. And yet there's truth in this verse that there's folly. And the reason it's in the heart of a child is because that's where you begin life. We all, by the way, went through that. Maybe some of us are still in it too long. Where there's folly bound up in here and it's the rod of discipline that drives it far from them. Now, I'm, I'm not going to walk away from saying that sometimes that rod is painful. If you know me and Silas, you of course know me because I'm your dad that the rod of discipline is used sometimes. But I want to encourage you also, you, you're going through discipleship with me, and you recognize that the word discipline means to be, to be trained, right? That's what it means to be disciplined, is to be trained. That rod of discipline, if you would visualize a shepherd, and he has his rod, and he's keeping his sheep going on the right path, he sometimes will have to tap them to keep them in the right place. Or maybe he's actually leading in front of them, and they're starting to stray, and he has to turn around and tap them to keep them following after him in the right place. 
That maybe is not so painful. The rods of discipline that you have, that we've talked about in discipleship, can also sometimes simply be the reading of God's Word and the discipline of prayer and the discipline of being part of a fellowship of believers. For it is those rods that will keep you where you're supposed to be, that will drive the folly in our hearts out. Trust me, if you sincerely read the Word of God and allow His, the Holy Spirit to open it up to you, there are plenty of times when there are experiences where God has to use His rod to tell us what you are doing is not correct and we have to repent of that. It's the folly that He wants to drive out of our lives. I can tell you, sometimes that discipline has to come from outside of you, but you can be the greatest agent of discipline in your own life by deciding, I will commit myself to spending time with the Lord and growing my love for Him by reading His Word and spending time in prayer with Him. I will submit willingly to the rod of discipline by being part of a body of believers and giving them access into my life, who I really am, what I really need, so that I can be, have this folly driven from my heart. Does that make sense what I'm saying? For the folly that's bound up sometimes takes some discipline to be, have a heart that's yielded and surrendered to him. Let me come to the final one so we can wrap this up. We want to see, I want to see a heart that is trusting in him. It's the heart that matters, and we want a heart yielded to him and a heart that's trusting in him. Of course, one of the very most famous, at least for me, is one of the most pivotal uh, Proverbs in all, of, uh, in all of them that were in my own life I want to share with you this morning, which it says it just so, 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 so explicitly you can't get around it. You should trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and you should not lean on your own understanding. Again, it is our hearts that have led us away from the Lord which is, is so dangerous because that's the very place he places image in that he wants to redeem and bring back. And when we, when, we, when we don't lean on our own way of thinking, our own way of understanding, but allow the word of God to reorient our thinking, that should also sound familiar to you based on discipleship we've been doing, then we want to trust in him with everything that we have. Let me just keep on going because there's some ways that we don't trust in God and there's a few things mentioned here in Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety weighs, in a man's heart weighs him down but a good word makes him glad. Anxiety. Remember this verse that we talked about in discipleship? Someone not these four. Quote uh, Matthew 6, 33, 4. Can anyone quote that for me? Don't worry about tomorrow. It's in that section of verses. Yes. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? And all these things will be added, shall be added unto you, right? This verse is, that Jesus' words are exactly about this right here. Because he knew that anxiety in a man's heart will weigh it down. But a good word makes him, he knew that when we're stressed about, some, about things, when we're worried about things, that that keeps us from being faithful because we're so consumed with this stuff. And he says, listen, make so that the kingdom of God and being right with him is your top priority and trust him to take care of everything else. It's in that context where he says, listen, look at the birds of the air. God feeds them. He takes care of them. And he cares about you so much more than a bird. Look at the flowers of the field. They're dressed so wonderfully. Not even solid and all this splendor could compare to them. But God cares for you so much more than he does for the flowers. They're here today and gone tomorrow. He talked about food and clothing and he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. Don't be anxious. That's the verse you started, Merlin. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about tomorrow. You can't, by worrying, by being anxious, you can't add a single minute to your life. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, 
but a good word makes him glad. I wanted to read these verses for you this morning too because uh, I believe they apply. If you're talking about being anxious, Peter, uh, Peter, Paul had these words when he wrote to uh, the Philippians. If you want to know what to do with an anxious heart and how to bring good words into your life, do not be anxious about anything, he wrote to, in Philippians chapter 4. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you notice what he said there? The peace of God guards what? Our hearts. You see, he knew it was about our hearts. When the, our hearts are anxious, then it weighs us down. But when we take everything that's weighing us down to the Lord in prayer, with thanksgiving, we ask him, we trust him. We, we say, you've got this, I don't need to carry it, then the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. A few other things that make our hearts not trusting in the Lord. Anxiety is one of them, but so is envy. Look at this proverb. A tranquil heart, a heart at peace, gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Envy. If there's one thing that has affected the life of American Christianity, it's envy. It's us looking around and seeing what everyone else has and wanting it. It's us wanting to be just like everyone else is. It's us wanting to, and I can say this because I have it in my blood, but it's us wanting to keep up with the Joneses. It's thinking that what everyone else has, I need to have too. Envy has wreaked havoc in our lives because it has prevented us from trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts and not leaning on our understanding. If I'm to encourage you to guard your heart with all vigilance this morning, for out of it come the springs of life, I have to let you know that a heart that's trusting in God is not given to envy, is not given to worrying about what other people have and whether I have it too. Envy, by the way, comes in several different forms. Sometimes it's just, it's just in, in materialistic kind of things. But look at this one. Proverbs 23, 17 says, Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. What a sad statement. Listen very carefully, because this is very true for us far too often. What a sad state we are in when those of us inside the church spend most of our time envying what sinners have. I can tell you, if you want what they have, you can have it. But in the end, it will be them who wishes to have what those in Christ have. Jesus made that abundantly clear when he told the story of poor man Lazarus. You can have all you want now if you want it. You should count the cost, in fact. Jesus said that. You're about to go into a tub of water symbolizing what's happened inside of your heart. You can have all that you want right now if you want it. But I can assure you, it's the fear of the Lord that will bring you to the right place in the end. I've encouraged you over and over again in discipleship to take a long view of things. You find, you look at the goal you want to have at the end, which is to arrive in eternity with God, and you orient your life to that direction because that's where you need to be headed. One more thing that has to do with our hearts and not trusting in the Lord that hits us every day because we see those people that are enemies of God getting away with things seemingly. And so we have to be reminded that a heart that trusts in him does not rejoice when your enemy falls. That the heart that trusts in him does not glad 
when someone else stumbles. This is to remove us from being vindictive or wishing we could get at other people. It's also to remind us that there are those who may speak ill of us, who may not agree with us. If we are faithful to the Lord, it will set us apart. We should be different from the world, which means there are those who may come against us And we want to be like Jesus, who laid an example for us, who did not revile when he was reviled, who did not strike others when they wanted to strike him, but who instead entrusted himself, look at these words, entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Meaning that when someone does something unfair to you or says something untrue about you or treats you unkindly or sins against you, that you do not want to get vengeance yourself. You do not want to rejoice when your enemy is going to fall, but you want to be glad and say, I will trust God to take care of it in his way when he can. Let's wrap this up. I want for you today to know that the heart matters. That's what really is going to matter in the end. And I want you to know that, I want, that your heart should be yielded to him, should be humble before God and yielded to him so that he may instruct you. Your heart's not hard. And that your heart should be trusting in him. And if I can share one final proverb with you, it is Proverbs 23, 15. I can say this. My son is sitting here, and it means so much to me to have him choose to be baptized today. I have a niece sitting here. It means so much to me to have her get baptized. But I'm a pastor to the, all, of, all four of you, really. And so I can say this in truth for all four of you. We've been talking about your heart, and this proverb jumped out to me because it says, if your heart is wise, if you will make your heart wise, will lead your heart in wisdom, my heart too will be glad. I will rejoice to see you walk in, a, in the fear of the Lord, not hardening, but yielded to him and trusting in him. It's your heart that matters. Okay.